The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. From the crossroads of Merrick Avenue and Sunrise Highway, the beautiful Merrick, Long Island, New York, this is Sports Talk New York, WGBB 95.9 FM, 1240 AM. I'm your host, Mike Winone, joined, as always, by my co-host, Chris Caputo. Cap, welcome. How are you doing tonight? Good, Mike. How are you doing? Doing well. You know, excited about uh, baseball that's coming up and along those lines. Guys, we are going to be really honored and blessed tonight to be joined by an all-time great number 51 of the New York Yankees, Bernie Williams. He'll be joining us shortly to talk a little bit about his baseball career, but more importantly uh, about some philanthropic stuff that he's doing in uh, a foundation called TuneIntoLungHealth.com, and we're going to bring that up with him and, and, and talk about that and, and kind of see how that goes. And I'm really interested, Chris, to see how we uh, how we do with that. So right, fun, off, Mike. Yeah, right off the bat, we are welcomed. Big honor and privilege tonight to have number 51, Bernie Williams, with us, former New York Yankee great. Bernie, good evening. This is Mike and Chris here on Long Island. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, listen, it's it's really, as I said, it's our honor and privilege. I, am I right in assuming that you're down in Tampa tonight? Yes, yes, I am in Tampa. I just had, uh, you know, basically just worked out with the guys. Uh, this morning, and then they have their uh, first home game, uh, the, the opener for the spring season. Wonderful. Uh, and they, they look pretty good. Yeah, we uh, we saw some video earlier today of yourself and Don Manningly and, and some of the other guys, and everyone's looking you know healthy and refreshed, especially in that warm weather down there. So, listen, you don't need an introduction for anybody, especially here in the New York area, but I, I have to real quickly go through a couple of things on your career. So you're, it's a long list. And, and believe me, we're going to come right back to you. But Yankee center fielder, New York, 1991 to 2006, 297 career average, 2,336 hits, 287 home runs, 1,257 RBIs, five-time All-Star. 1996, American League Championship MVP, four-time gold gloves, AL batting champion, 1998, your number's been retired. You have Monument Park. You're a classical guitarist. You were a track and field star when you were younger. And you were a guest star on Seinfeld. Have we missed anything, Bernie? Oh, man, that is, that is plenty. <laughs> that <laughs> well, is plenty. I'll tell you. It's kind of interesting to go back and uh, listen to all of that. And uh, uh, it just feel like my life has been very fast and very slow. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime ago when all of that happened. And... Uh, now uh, it's uh, just basically just keep, you know, fighting and keep, you know, doing my best to uh, in the opportunities that I've, uh, you know, I'm presented with. And uh, this is just a, it's a great thing. It's a great part of my life. Well, it's wonderful to see that, that an athlete such as yourself has such a varied, you know, life after baseball, which we're going to get into here in just a second, as long, uh, you know, as well as your, your foray into um, – you know, raising awareness for rare diseases, and we're going to talk about that as well. Rare Disease Day coming up here on the 29th. 
but we're going to start out real quickly just with, with a baseball question or two here in your career with the Yankees. So our first question is, you know, you start out in 1991, you come up, um, you have you have some older veterans in front of you, Roberto Kelly, guys like that. Um, team struggled. How did it go from 1991 to where you guys were at to 1996 and beyond to where you were World Series champions and, and a dominating dynasty? What what kind of happened during that time besides just, you know, change in personnel on your roster? Well, I think it was a, a really interesting uh, a set of circumstances that led to, uh, you know, the team uh, kind of like exploring new avenues. I, I think, you know, there was an incident where – uh, you know, our owner, Mr. George Steinbrenner, got, uh, you know, kind of suspended, you know, for a little bit. Uh, and I think, you know, back then, late 80s, you know, early 90s, the whole sentiment of the team was to sort of trade away all the, the prospects to try to get really good established uh, players in the roster to have a good competitive uh, team on the field. And uh, there was not a lot of emphasis on, uh, you know, building or utilizing the other farm system. And and I think there was, uh, you know, this sort of set of circumstances where I think, you know, some of the uh, baseball minds that were on the team at the time, uh, uh, Gene Michael, Buck Showalter, Mark Newman, uh, Gordon Blakely, all those people started just, you know, giving the young players an opportunity to prove, you know, and see what they could do before they would do something with them. Uh, so that sort of opened the door for guys like Kevin Moss, if you remember, oh, yeah. Andy Stankiewicz and Oscar Asakar and uh, Hensley Mullins and Pat Kelly and, and Jim Lyrich. You know, all of them sort of kind of paved the way to uh, giving, you know, guys like myself and, and Jorge Posada and Andy Pettit and Mariano Rivera and uh, Derek Jeter ultimately an opportunity to uh, make their way into the team and uh, prove themselves. Uh, and uh, it was just a great period where, uh, you know, the team was a good team, but it wasn't, you know, it, it, it hadn't really uh, gotten that, over that hurdle of making it, you know, making it into a championship team. Uh, and I think, you know, they kind of formed that team together between all those guys. Uh, 1995, uh, uh, you know, there was a, a big thing going, you know, with the lockout and the, and the strike and everything. And then in 1996, uh, Joe Torre comes into the scene as, uh, you know, the manager of the team and, uh, he sort of inherited a lot of the pieces that were, they were working on. Uh, and, uh, I think he was kind of like the right person at the right time, uh, that led that team and, uh, and, uh, got the, uh, you know, the right attitude and the team, uh, oriented attitude and, uh, small ball baseball. And, uh, we sort of took it, you know, from there in, uh, 1996. Uh, we were like, like a really big underdog, you know, playing against the Atlanta Braves that arguably had the, one of the best rotations in the history of the game with Maddox and uh, Smoltz and uh, Avery and Glavin and, and all those guys. And we won that series, and then he kind of like sort of took over from there. You know, 97, I think was a little bit of a hiccup, but then 98, 99, 2000, 2001, and then ultimately – 2009, which was basically the same team without me, uh, but they ended up winning also. So it was uh, sure. a great run, and uh, just just really proud of being part of that movement. Hey, Bernie, this is Chris here. Two-part question. First, how serious was your thought to leave the Yankees after 1998? It was said that Bob Watson offered five years, $37.5 million, which was star money for a non-star player. 
and then the Red Sox supposedly offered about $91.5 million for seven years. And supposedly you kind of gave the Yankees one more try. They came in at 87 and a half and you took it. So that's the first part. And the second part is can you then relate to what Aaron Judge went through this year in the offseason when he was trying to think about do I stay with the Yankees or move on? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting question. I think, you know, from my uh, part on the, my negotiation, uh, my, my negotiating, uh, you know, period, uh, it was, it's always a tough time. When, uh, you know, you are, feel like you are, have given the team, you know, everything you've gotten. And, uh, and, uh, you know, this, this, this sort of business part of the game takes over. Uh, and, uh, you know, the negotiations were not going as good as I would hope them to be. I think, you know, they were in a big impasse with, uh, Scott Boers, my agent at the time, and, uh, you know, the front office, you know, with Cashman and, and Watson and, and all those people. And uh, I remember hearing rumors about Joe Torre whining and dining Albert Bell, uh, which <laughs> was supposed to be thought of be my, uh, to be my replacement. Oh, oh boy! And uh, yeah, and I, I mean, sometimes I wonder, you know, what, you know, what would have been like, you know, for me, uh, you know, in 1998 to kind of part ways and, and play for another team. But I think at the end of the day, I made a call to Mr. Steinbrenner, and we sort of hashed everything out. Uh, I end, uh, you know, long story short, I ended up remaining a Yankee for the rest of my career, which I'm really proud of. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like the rest is history. In 1999, right after I signed that contract, we won again. And then 2000 against the Mets. 2001, you know, was part of this uh, healing process of the nation, playing with uh, with the Diamondbacks, even though we lost. I think it's definitely one of the, my proudest moments of being a, base, a professional baseball player, uh, especially in New York. Uh, and I definitely could relate to what uh, Aaron Judge was going through. You know, every time you have an opportunity to uh, become a free agent and see, you know, what's out there, I think you owe it to yourself, you know, after being part of the team, not being able to have the freedom to choose, you know, where you want to be and, and choose a better situation for yourself. you got to go out there and see what's out there. Uh, even though in the back of my mind, you may, in the back of your mind, you may be thinking, uh, maybe I want to remain with the Yankees, yeah. but I want them to show some love, you know, and, and uh, just you know, showing the fact that they really want you on the team. And uh, I think, you know, obviously now the team revolves around the figure of uh, Aaron Judge. They made him the captain. And I think, you know, definitely have uh, some really great steps to, to follow, you know, with Don Mattingly, which we saw, you know, today. Uh, and then obviously following Derek Jeter and his tenure as the captain of the club. And now it's his turn, you know. Uh, to uh, turn this team around and uh, get him back to, uh, you know, our, our winning ways. We're honored and privileged to be joined by Bernie Williams, New York Yankee great here tonight with Mike and Chris. Uh, Bernie, I can't tell you what the what the buzz was when the word was out that we were going to have you on tonight and, and just, you know, amazing response. And I can't imagine what it would have been like here in New York had you signed with Boston, the revolt that would have gone on. <laughs> I mean, just the, just the fact that... You played your entire career with the Yankees is, is such a testament to the person that you are and, and just what you brought to that fan base as well. Um, the fact that you literally negotiated one-on-one with uh, Mr. Steinbrenner is, is a great story as well. Uh, and we're going to get to just here in a second your your work with Tune Into Lung Health uh, and and what goes along with that. Before we, we kind of move on, uh, just quickly, I know you, you mentioned that you are – 
spending some time with the Yankees down in Tampa in spring training. Um, what's your feel on the team this year, and, and what's the, what's the buzz down there at this time? Oh man, I, I got to tell you, there's a lot of excitement in the team. I think you know, you know, going through the you know the process of watching those guys. First of all, you know, it got a lot of really nostalgic sentiments. You know, going back and feeling like I wanted to grab a bat, <laughs> I wanted to grab a glove and start like playing catch with them. And well, you look like you're ready back from the video we saw. All that stuff, and it is a great feeling. You know, every time you go into spring training, I used to feel you know that sort of jittery feeling in my stomach, all the butterflies and all the excitement that you know that meant that it was a new year. Everybody you know has its great expectations. But I mean, from the, uh, from an outsider looking into the club and having the best seat in the house, you know, looking into what they're going through with that process, it, it's very exciting to see the guys. I mean, I think there's a collective attitude uh, to, you know, go and, and achieve the goal that they have been trying to achieve, you know, for all these years, trying to get to the World Series and trying to win the World Series. I think they got a lot of great mixture of veterans. And I mean, if you can consider, you know, Cole and Judge oh, yeah. and Stanton and all those guys, you know, are have really gone through the process of going through the highs and going through the lows and, and you know, losing, you know, in, in, in the playoffs. And I think, you know, they have put a great team together right now. I think the addition of uh, Soto is going to help him a lot. He just really came ready to spring. I mean, as you could see uh, uh, today, I mean, he just, it feels like he's in mid-season form. <laughs> this season hasn't even started. Yeah. Uh, great addition to the club. Oh. I, I think uh, uh, there's a, uh, a great sense of excitement uh, from the players. I mean, not even the fans. I mean, the fans are always going to be excited about watching the team for the first time in the, in the you know, in, the, in this, this spring. But there's a great buzz. There's a great electricity in the air in the clubhouse. Uh, and I, I feel very excited about, you know, what, you know, what they're going to do this year. Hey, Bernie, a little bit of a change now. It seems like um, you're going to be making your New York Philharmonic debut on April 24th, and you've, you know, you started your music career um, with the Yankees releasing an album, and how has that kind of changed, this new stage of music, how has that changed your 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 career and, and your lifestyle lately? Oh, man, it has been such a great blessing. I think every time, you know, I have an opportunity to do something other than, you know, what people, most people know me for, which is, you know, my career with the Yankees. Uh, I had sort of a parallel career, uh, uh, you know, with music, you know, starting playing guitar when I was eight years old, uh, going to a performing arts high school, and then after I retired, about seven years after I retired, auditioning for the Manhattan School of Music, getting a degree in jazz performance out of the Manhattan School of Music, and, and just playing with just, uh, just about everybody in New York. And, uh, I, I mean, that part of my life has, has always been a blessing, and I've never taken it for granted. So the opportunity that I have now to play with the New York Philharmonic, taking one of my compositions and making an orchestral arrangement and uh, having me perform, you know, alongside with them, I mean, it definitely has to be one of the highlights of my, my young music career. And, uh, uh, by the way, I'm going to have a... Uh, before that, uh, a residency at the, Car- the iconic Carlisle Hotel, uh, starting on April 9th uh, through the 13th, and that's basically <laughs> that was probably the best gig ever for a musician. Wow. Uh, but I-, I am so excited uh, to have that being, uh, you know, a-, a big part of my life right now, and uh, utilizing the music and the baseball and the platform that uh, 
I've been so blessed to have to, to advance causes that are near and dear to my heart. Uh, one other question. Is playing guitar kind of like hitting where you're in a groove, everything is easy, and when you're in a slump, it, it does, the rhythm just doesn't flow, or is it there is no parallel there? No, no, there's a lot of parallels. I think, you know, that whole thing about uh, discipline and commitment and, and you know, overcoming, uh, you know, failure and mistakes, you know, uh, when you have an opportunity to play on stage, you have a team together with you. Your band members, they have your back. And you have theirs. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, I think you have a little bit more control of the outcome because you're putting a lot of work into, you know, performing and rehearsing and practicing and making sure that, uh, you know, what they say, like your, your chops, you know, your, your skill level is at a, at a, at a point where you feel comfortable playing in front of people and, and giving a good performance. Uh, baseball has a lot of the same parallels. I mean, you have to go through the same, uh, things, you know, with your workout, with work ethic. And uh, making sure that your swing is right, uh, you have everything going. Uh, but I think you know, as opposed to music, baseball, you still have a, a little bit more of uncertainty because you have a lot. You don't have a lot of control of a lot of the things that happen in the game. And it's uh, the twice as tough you for you. Your, is your approach. Twice as tough for you as a switch hitter. That's got to be tough. Yeah, I man, you got to make sure that you keep both sides sharp. <laughs> you never know when they're going to change pitchers on you. But uh, I think if you're going good from both sides of the plate, man, there's nobody that can stop you. And uh, it's, uh, it's a great asset and a, and a great uh, thing to have the ability to hit from both sides of the plate. So most importantly tonight, Bernie, you're joining us to talk about uh, a program near and dear to your heart. Tune into Lung Health. Uh, if people out there don't know, unfortunately, Bernie lost his father to a very rare disease called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Um uh, a couple of years back, and uh, you began this program. If you could just tell us a little bit about it um, and, and what's on the horizon for you with this program and what people should know. Yeah, uh, yeah. my, my dad was my hero, Bernabe Williams Sr. He was the guy. Uh, uh, he was my hero. He was the guy that really start, started me in, in music, started me on baseball, and basically it was just trying to teach me some life lessons about commitment and, and discipline and working hard and giving it 100% all the time. And uh, he was the guy that I looked uh, up to all through my life. In uh, 2001, we lost him uh, due to this rare disease called uh, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And uh, it's a part of a, a whole slew of interstitial lung diseases. Uh, and I have been uh, spending uh, a lot of time, you know, years, uh, probably seven, eight years with uh, B.I., Bill Ringo Engelheim, in this campaign uh, raising awareness about interstitial lung disease. Uh, so now we are in a, in a uh, state where we are trying to utilize also music to deal with, you know, what everything that has to do with uh, uh, patients uh, and our caretakers and caregivers uh you know, going through the process of, you know, the anxiety and the depression and, and all those things that you have to deal with, dealing with a, a, a disease like this. So that's where Tune Into Lung Health comes into place. We're trying to utilize music to uh, really uh, mitigate uh, a lot of the uh, uh, mental uh, hurdles that uh, come with dealing with uh, interstitial lung diseases. And uh, we have a page, a website page, TuneIntoLongHealth.com, uh, where we can uh, have people go in and be educated and have, uh, uh, you know, more knowledge about interstitial lung disease. And uh, 
that's basically what we're doing right now, trying to create this uh, awareness. Uh, so there's a lot of people that are suffering from uh, interstitial lung diseases, which uh, the idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis is one of them. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, this is just uh, one way of get them to a place that they can be, uh, you know, encouraged, supported, uh, and uh, we have a lot of resources for them to utilize. That's wonderful. And, you know, as you were speaking, I was just thinking that, this program uh, could be for caregivers, really, of any of any disease or, or any challenge that someone's facing because of the anxiety and, and the, the exhaustion that a caregiver faces um, in, in light of that and, and being able to just kind of feel better, you know, certainly along with the with the lung health, which is the, the uh, driving force behind this, but just a, a caregiver of any of any disease uh, being able to help themselves and and others just feel better through breathing and music it's really a tremendous program yeah it's, it's great i mean we have uh, uh breathing exercises uh you know uh, we have uh you know understanding having a, a thorough understanding of the disease that you're dealing with i think it comes a long way to you know understanding the treatment that you have to give uh and uh you know being closer to the patient and uh uh, having that sort of closeness, uh, it, it, you know, it, it translates into a better care. Uh, and, uh, you know, the people that, you know, have that, uh, you know, that great, uh, responsibility to take care of their loved ones when they have a, a situation like this going, uh, they're as important, you know, cause, uh, uh it, it's about quality of life. It's about making sure that the patient has the best resources and the best care. Uh, and uh, the people that are closest to them, you know, are the, the ones with the responsibility, which, you know, like my mom and my brother had, uh, for the most part, you know, taking care of my dad when he was, you know, at the peak of this, uh, this, uh, disease. And, uh, uh, you know, having these resources at hand, you know, where you can draw upon them, you know, having a, a curated music, uh, playlist, you know, where you can feel relaxed and, uh, kind of, you know, detach a little bit from the burden of that and, uh, just kind of like get your mind set straight, you know, so you can keep battling and, and not giving up. You know, it's a it's a really important component of uh, you know this uh, this process. So uh, I'm very proud to be part of that. Again, we're talking with four-time World Series champ Bernie Williams. Um, Bernie, how can we get maybe earlier diagnosis out there by maybe understanding some of the symptoms? Because I know one of the things you said is. Maybe if you knew some of the things that your dad was going through, that you would have had maybe some more time with him. I know the end result still might have been a tough loss, but, you know, how maybe can we talk about getting some diagnosis out there by learning the symptoms? Yeah, I think, you know, that's a great question, and thank you so much for, for asking it. I think, you know, uh, interstitial lung diseases are so, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, misunderstood uh, and misdiagnosed, you know, uh, because there's not a lot of information out there uh, for them. You know, for example, my dad was misdiagnosed for five years before, you know, he, you know, a doctor sort of came with the right diagnosis of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And uh, because of the symptoms are so common and that uh, they could be attributed to other, uh, you know, lung uh, conditions, you know, like asthma and, and bronchitis and pneumonia. It, you know, if you get like a, you know, you get fatigue, uh, you know, like walking, you know, maybe through a flight of stairs, you know, things that you may have taken for granted before that become a little bit more difficult. You've got a dry cough uh, that never goes away, and, you know, it doesn't matter what you try, you're still persistent. Uh, uh, and things that you, you know, you sort of take for granted, you know, maybe just, 
you know, doing a little exercise or just standing up or, or, or things like that are indicators that you should just go to your uh, physician so they can uh, refer you to a pulmonologist that they can make, so they can make the right diagnosis. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it, it has shown that, you know, the earlier that you can get the diagnosis, you know, you got more resources at your disposal and that can really affect, you know, your treatment and, and everything like that. So we're encouraging people to uh, get tested and if they feel some of, the, some of these symptoms, you know, like I said before, you know, dry cough, persistent dry cough, fatigue, uh, being tired and being, uh, you know, sort of uh, winded, uh, short, shortness of breath, uh, things like that, you know, are, are indi- uh, indications that you may have some, you know, some of these uh, things going. So uh, we're really encouraging people to try uh, and not wait uh, just to go out there and see a doctor, a physician, so they can uh, have the right diagnosis. The website is tuneintolunghealth.com. Again, that's one word, tuneintolunghealth.com. And uh, with the tenacity and the resolve that you attacked your baseball career, Bernie, you're, you're attacking these rare diseases, especially one that was close to your family. Uh, we can't thank you enough for joining us tonight. We know you, you're traveling tomorrow and, and spending a lot of time with the Yankees this spring. Um, all the best with, with that, with your residency. Uh, which at the Carlton Hotel, which I'm sure is going to be a huge success and sold out. Uh, but more importantly, again, just thank you for being the person you are, uh, the player that you were here in New York, and, and doing the great things that you are continuing to do as time goes along. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel very excited about the Yankees this year. Uh, and uh, I, I think you stay tuned, man, because these guys have, have a, lot of, a lot of upside. And uh, a lot of positive things happening in the spring, so I I, I expect uh, them to have a great year this year. Fantastic. Well, again, Mike and Chris, we we're happy to have you on. All the best going forward, and and the best of luck. We'll continue to talk about you know your your tune into health website and and get people involved the best that they can, and and we'll be following you as we always have you know throughout the years. Thanks once again for being on with us. Thank you so much for having me, guys. God All right, bless. Bernie, and, uh, our pleasure. All the best. We'll see you in concert. <laughs> Thank you, man. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bernie. So, Chris, that was uh, that was something else to be joined with an all-time great. You know, it's not it's not often that you get um, kind of a living legend to to come on and talk about you know everything as gracefully as he did. I mean, the the guy has his jersey retired <laughs> in Yankee Stadium. I'm, I'm kind of taking a big deep breath now, thinking about you know what we just you know what we just did and who we just spoke to and what a what a just kind, gentle guy, huh? Right there, just every every question, just kind of answering it straight out, and um, you know I'm sure you can kind of hear in his voice him reliving those times from '91 up to you know when he thought about leaving in '98 and then staying for extra championships, and now he's back on the field thinking. Like, this team could be special again. And, you know, I guess that's why you go back there. You go back to Tampa to say, hey, this is where I was, and I could give you a little bit more. But that was great spot and, um, you know, just a lot of fun. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening to Bernie as much as we enjoyed uh, having the conversation with him. So, uh, once again, we had Bernie Williams on to, to, to talk some baseball, to talk his career, and to talk a little bit about some of the things that he's promoting as well. Absolutely. Now, in the second half hour, we'd be happy to take any calls, 516-623-1240. Again, that's 516-623-1240 to talk about, you know, what we discussed with Bernie, anything else on the New York sports scene. Um, you know, just before we go to break, I, I think the one thing that strikes me as well, you know, Cap, is that you hear so often about 
athletes, star athletes, you know, what do they do after their career is over? How do they kind of get into that next phase? And here's a guy who who is a classically trained guitar player, went yeah. to college and, and got his degree while he's playing for the Yankees, um, has that career going, is down being a guest instructor with the Yankees today, and, you know, fighting these terrible diseases and one that, that took his father's life. Yeah, I think because it was so close to his heart, he picked that back up pretty quick. But, um, you know, you think of guys like Barry Zito playing a guitar, yeah. you know. This guy sat in the locker room and, uh, you know, just played and played and played and, and, and picked up jazz. And, and um, you know, everybody else is now able to enjoy Bernie Williams in a different sense. He doesn't even have to be singing. You just be up on stage and you're just listening to him with a different craft. You know, you see these guys out there in the field trying to hit 95-mile-an-hour fastballs, put them the other way, steal bases, catch fly balls. And then you see a guy trying to retune a guitar and, and give you something special. Yeah. So it's um it's nice to have somebody that's multi-talented. Uh, I know at one time he tried to, to play some music in front of Derek Jeter, but I think he tried to say, you know, Derek is a good baseball player, not, not necessarily. Such <laughs> well, if you looked singer. up the, the term renaissance man in the dictionary, I think, I think you'd find Bernie Williams. Uh, so again, you know, we, we thank him. We'll, uh, we'll mention the website again, you know, tune into lunghealth.com a couple times before we, uh, we leave you tonight, but we thank him and, and his team for joining us. Yeah. Uh, and second half hour. We're we'll excited. Talk, yeah, we'll talk a little basketball. We'll talk a little bit more Mets and Yankees. Um, again, 516-623-1240. Join us with anything you have to say. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to WGBB Sports Talk New York, 95.9 FM, 1240 AM. The number is 516-623-1240. And hopefully you heard our first half hour with Yankee legend Bernie Williams and his cause, tune in to lunghealth.com. He's also going to be doing a residency at the Carlton Hotel in New York City from April 9th to April 13th. And as well, joining in with the New York Philharmonic. So a little baseball, a little guitar, and uh, raising money and awareness for a great cause uh, was Bernie Williams tonight with us. And as we mentioned, second half hour, we're going to talk a little bit more baseball. We'll touch on the Yankees just briefly, but, you know, as – as Cap and I are both Met diehards, we have to kind of talk a little bit about that. We'll also talk a little bit of college basketball news that was, uh, you know, happening for a bad reason with a little court storming incident down in uh, Wake Forest University. Uh, and anything else you want to join us with again? Five one six six two three twelve forty. Even if you're a first time caller, call us whatever you want to chat about. Um, you know, we can talk about that stuff, and uh, we're here for another half hour. After the Bernie Williams interview, uh, you know, Mike, I know for you, the 
the basketball season ended a little bit earlier than you're used to. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there's plenty of other things for you to do. <laughs> uh, well, th- well, I appreciate that. You know, this is this has generally been the last five, six years have been very lucky with with coaching to go, you know, very deep into uh, a playoff and state playoff run this year. A uh, little different. We made our playoff run. It was brief, but we, you know, we were happy to, to at least do that. Um, but paying attention to uh, hot stove baseball, to spring training baseball, something I really haven't done much since, uh, you know, the Mets and Yankees ha- have both been rising in their profile with ownership, especially Met changes. So today, you know, Cap, I, I know you took a look at it, and I saw as well as I was traveling, uh, watched a little bit of Met baseball, and they had David Stearns on, the, the the president of operations, talking about the team. And, you know, obviously we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the, the most important Met story of the moment, Kodai Senga. Got an injection, says he's not going to throw for three weeks, which really puts you, you know, definitely out of April. And then, you know, if he starts throwing, could he come back at some point? Um, maybe, you know, I'm going to say sometime in June. Um, but it's it just like all these things. It just it just makes me sit there and go, like, what was going on the last couple of months? How do we? How does this all of a sudden happen? Yeah, like, it, it does. Like, make, I mean, they had, what, the ball. What did they have? One bullpen session, I think. Yeah, that, yeah. I feel something. You know, it's just so typical. It just uh, and and we haven't gotten. Here's the other thing. We got Edwin Diaz out there throwing hard, doing great, and they're like doing slides with him, right? And they're like, oh well, the next step for him is he's gonna field bunts, and the step after that is he's gonna cover first base on a ground ball. The first, we haven't done that yet. What have you been doing? You fell down twelve months ago. Like, come on, man. This is just like it's it's so ridiculous. It's it's just you know what? It's modern day professional sports and modern day baseball i'm sure the guy could probably like you're saying after 12 months go out there and throw the ball and he, he could probably pitch tomorrow but we got to take it bit by bit and if he has a little bit of a you know a spasm in, in his calf oh we, we better hold it back that's why you know as, as met fans of course you know it, it's just as Who's it's next? more of the same exactly so we have bernie williams on talking about he's he's rattling off all these names yeah i mean it's fantastic you know Juan soto oh you know and and david stearns is on today you know and, and i think we're i think we're a playoff bound team. i think we're a playoff team but his main focus and you know what i have to respect the guy for this he was saying that you know the mets do have a very solid farm system guys who are almost ready and that Things on the on the the big club level, if they're struggling with you know, even even winning, if they're struggling with injuries. If guys get off the slow starts, they're not going to rush these guys up, which I think is great. Yeah, I mean, really, that's that's what you want. But it almost sounded like he was on a job interview, saying like, yeah. "Hey, this this is the plan." But this is what we did in Milwaukee. So so Ron Darling says to him, "Can you tell us, you know, what's been the main difference?" Since you started this job, you know, is is there something he's like every day? Yeah, that's the point, Cap. Yes. This is New York yeah. Met baseball. Not there's not back. there's no patience. <laughs> so while I think you know his his style and his his philosophy is fantastic, is that going to work? I don't know. I mean, you could sit there and go through every position, but in reality, there's still upgrades that need to be done, and they're kind of like, well, we're going to give the young guys a chance to play, which. All right, fine. I'm okay with that. But then don't sit there and start throwing. We're a playoff bound team at us because they're so weak in so many different yeah. spots. I just, I love seeing Alvarez hitting a home run today. It just gives me that juice that we got a 22 year old guy who's making no money 
Um, you know, we have three other catchers making more money on his roster this year. James McCann, who's not even on the Mets. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Omar Narvaez and Tomas Nieder are all making more money than Francisco Alvarez. But um, it's just going to be so tough. But as you're sitting there, grab your pen, 516-623-1240. We'd love to take your calls. We could talk about anything. But I think with, with the Mets, you know, to kind of finish that point off is they need to see some bright stars in the uh, – and, and, you know, guys that are stepping up in some of these games in spring training because they need to eventually make a decision who's going to be their next starter up. Um, you know, is it going to be Tyler McGill? Is it going to be Joey Lucchese who's looking great? Um or are they eventually going to give a, a, a shot to Christian Scott or Mike Vassell or, you know, to one of those other guys down in the minors? Or are they just going to, you know, kind of piecemeal things together? But my thing is, you know, you got a guy on your team who you have to keep happy, and that's Pete Alonso. Because, um, you know, if things go sour, if he gets hurt, like, it just makes it even worse. Because then you got to keep him to the end of the year. And you hear things like from the owner saying, I hope he hits 50-something home runs, and we have to pay him a gazillion dollars. But why the hesitancy? I mean, he's he's proven this already. But why are they? Why is it pay for play right now? I, I, I don't get it. I think at this point, Pete's done. He's going to wait till free agent. He's going to use it. Yeah, him, why not? You know? But um, it's like they could have tried this a while back and gotten him at a different a different price range. But I think they, they just they waited too long, and – um, I, I honestly think if the Mets are out of it, but he's playing well, there's a chance they could trade him at the trade deadline. Because otherwise, all you're getting is a compensatory pick if he doesn't come back. Is he going to come back? I don't know. But it's nice to see some baseball down there. Yeah, it's absolutely. nice to see people playing around, even though they're only getting a couple innings. I think Lindor's going to have a pretty good year. Um, you know, I think they're going to be weak on, on the infield. But, uh, you know, I, I, Jeff McNeil... Is he going to hit 270 like last year? I don't know. Is he going to hit 320 like the year before? Definitely not. I kind of see him in that like 280 range. But for him, it's getting used to that shift again and trying to find the spots. But um, you know, Mets have a nice, decent outfield. It's just a matter of, as we said, everybody's got to stay healthy because we started already. Oh, and I know it's the one, the one bugaboo that always with this team. And you said everybody's got to stay healthy. And what's the first thing out of the camp on day two? We got an injury. Yep. So we hop in the car, we drive across the RFK Bridge, we head into the Bronx, and we go to, to the Yankees. And we do have to give them a little time tonight, um, especially having had Bernie Williams on with us. You know, he was talking about just the the veritable list of, of stars that are on that team. And they do. They have to, obviously, you know, you can have all the stars in the world, but you, you have to perform. I think their starting pitching is going to be very interesting this year. Um, major move for them bringing in Marcus Stroman. Now, as Met fans, he didn't as, do too well today. But uh, well, uh, I'm not feeling all that poorly about that, only because I, I think you know, as obviously as former Met fans, the guy he burned every bridge on the way out of town, and he wasn't exactly you know pals with Brian Cashman either with the Yankees, but they needed him, and uh, the price was right, so he's on staff. Um, they they saw nothing really last year out of Carlos Rondon, who was a major pickup. Um, does Nestor Cortez? Stay healthy all year and come back. And and really, you know, Garrett Cole, guy's one of the best, if not the best pitchers in baseball. Um, Cy Young Award winner last year. I mean, if all the pieces come together, and like you said, injuries, if they if they avoid those, it can really be with the bat of Juan Soto. It can be a huge year for the Yankees. Yeah, I think if Soto steps up, that's that's really big for them because he's just 
so inconsistent and misses the ball so many times. But I like that trade for them. I mean, Michael King wasn't really giving them much. And, um, you know, I like some of the other guys that came in, like um, like Grisham, I think, mm-hmm. is a pretty good player. I think he gives them stuff. They picked up uh, Verdugo. Um, so I, I like that trade for the Yankees. It gives them some extra. But you need guys like Rodone, you know, Nestor Cortez to really give you some good innings and then hope that your bullpen holds up, you know, late in the year. So what's the over-under on games before Giancarlo Stanton gets hurt? He looks different. You know, he lost a lot of weight. Supposedly his swing changed, too. He's not swinging the same way. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the key is how many games is he going to play before he goes out for a significant amount of time. I'd say probably give him 35. Well, but that's the difference. So you're talking about losing a guy like him on the Yankees and they can plug somebody else in. You know, the Mets – Top starting pitcher goes down. It, it, it's just I hate to keep comparing the two, but but gosh, it's I I don't know why we do it to ourselves. I know, but like the Yankees can lose Rizzo and Stanton and still be okay. Yes, you know, thirty four, thirty five years old, but um, you know, Rizzo's coming back from that concussion. Uh, Stanton has always hurt, so you know, we'll see. I think, uh, but those the rest of the AL didn't do that much for me to say that they're going to overtake the Yankees. Like, the Blue Jays had all these hopes. We're going to go out and get this guy and this guy. And next thing you know, I see, you know, Eduardo Escobar and Daniel Vogel back on their team. Yeah. So, like, what's really else out there? I mean, you had a lot of teams that dumped, um, and, and not that many teams in the AL feel real good about their, themselves. Like, the Red Sox are complaining, <laughs> hey, you were supposed to go get me more. And yeah. Rafael Devers is sitting there, you know, all upset. So, I think um, the Yankees will kind of be in good shape. At least uh, early on, you know, and then we'll see how the injuries kind of pack up. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I read this uh, kind of fan site today that they were saying next year could be very interesting, where Juan Soto could be a Met, yeah, and Pete Alonso could be a Yankee. Could be. I mean, could you imagine? Well, they could both be Mets. Well, that would be wonderful for our side, but yeah. uh, I, I doubt they'd both be Yankees. But uh, although, hey, listen, we're talking about mega bucks. Yep. You know, mega, mega bucks here. Again, the phone lines are open, 516-623-1240. we got some time left. We'll take your calls. We're going to bring up a couple more topics, but we'd love to hear from you guys as uh, we continue on tonight. So, Cap, let, let's head over to, to the hardwood round bowl. Before we get to local teams, Nick St. John's huge win today, uh, which was very interesting. Yeah, you Rick know. Rick Pitino brought out the Colonel Sanders I, I, I suit. Was, I was thinking about going today, but um, he was literally all white. But they, um, uh, <laughs> he didn't even get a tan. That's how yeah. white he was. But, um, you know, the weird thing was, let's just talk quickly. Like, yeah. UConn got smacked by Creighton. Right. Then comes back and, you know, blows out, uh, Villanova. And then Creighton gets smacked by St. John. So you just, you never know. Like, all these top 10, 15 teams, they look great one day. They beat a top 10 team. They can't beat a non-ranked team the next day. No, and I think it kind of talks to the parity of college Absolutely. athletics because these teams, it's literally like the Wild West, free agency, boom, you know, every year teams are changing. There's not a lot of continuity. So for a team to stay together for a couple of years and be perennial, I mean, it's amazing that UConn is still kind of at the top. You figured uh, there's no way that someone's going to win the championship and then be you know top five the next year maybe they'll after losing guys they were a fourth place team in the big east last year they were a fourth seeded team in the ncaa tournament unbelievable and then made that crazy run where they won every game by double digits in the ncaa tournament so i think this year that uconn team 
is really pushing themselves to number one, win the Big East outright. Not they don't want to share the title. Right. Then they want to win the Big East championship because that's what they did not win last year. Then it's setting goals for possibly winning another national championship. It's not easy, you know. And I think this year there's going to be a lot of parity. I'm going to be going to a lot of games for the NCAA tournament this year. I'll be going to Brooklyn, Boston, trying to figure out, you know, different games. But I'll tell you this much. There will be upsets, you know. Yeah. Like we saw Purdue go down again as a 116. Are they better this year? I think they've done things better for themselves to put them in a better spot. But I don't think that just because they have Zach Eady, a big seven foot some odd guy, that they're all of a sudden just going to roll their way into the Final Four. I think there's so much parity out there. Anybody can win on any given night. That that's why we're having a lot of these upsets, so to speak. So St. John's huge win today, Madison Square Garden, whiteout game. As I mentioned, you know Rick Pitino wore his white suit. He encouraged everybody to come to the game. So it's a big win. Nobody ran on the court. Nobody nobody knocked anybody over. Now, you know, down south yesterday at Wake Forest, and we just want to bring this up briefly, uh, Wake Forest, who has a long tradition, great program, you know, they're in the ACC, haven't done well as of recently. Duke is the team everybody wants to beat. They upset Duke. No. They Mike, st- they were the favorites. <laughs> I don't care, Mike. They were the favorites. I don't care if Duke was seated and they weren't. They were the favorites in the game. They stormed the courts, and they were supposed to win. So it st- if you didn't see this, folks, they stormed, Wake Forest students stormed the court, and they literally trample Duke's best player. And originally it was said that the injury was a sprained ankle. Okay. Then they went to it was a possible knee strain. And, and, and I'm going to butcher the guy's name. Kyle Phil- Filipowski. Filipowski. Yeah. Right, I always say Pietkowski. That, that's that's a but what did they wind up saying? Yeah, uh, as the last, the last thing I heard was that it was a, it was a knee sprain. But what do you do in this situation? Because let now I know your thoughts on it. and I'm going to let you rant in a second. I'm just going to play a little devil's advocate here because I think just for the for the sake of it, um, chances are I agree with you. But let give me your thoughts. Is there ever a reason to storm a basketball court? I brought this up last show. And it was just me ranting about the Knicks a little bit. And you were like prophetic. It was like on my way out. You know, here, drop, drop the, <laughs> drop the mic, and I'm, I'm out. You should not storm the court unless you are a mid-major who is allowed to host the NCAA champ, like your uh, conference championship on your court. Right. So let's say you're, you know, Austin P playing on your court, and at that point, there still needs to be security situations put in place. Okay, the number one concern is the safety of the players and the coaches and the referees. Number one, if that game is a blowout, everybody needs to leave the court and nobody is allowed on the court until that happens. But that shouldn't happen even in a regular season game. That's just like a very small, small, small percentage. Right. You should not be allowed. The fans are not supposed to be on the court. You go to these games, Mike, like, you know, high school games. They have 17 yellow jackets for 34 fans. <laughs> exactly. Nobody's allowed on the court. Yeah, there's more security. Out. There's more security in a high school game. Yeah. It's Absolutely. unbelievable. Now, I'm not saying the security should be able to, to stop 14,000 fans who want to run on the court, but there has to be some type of edict out there that this is what it is. Now, the SEC says if you storm the court, $100,000 fine the first time, $250,000 the second time, and $500,000 for the third offense. But, and that money gets paid directly to the offended school. So whoever just got trampled, mm-hmm. 
you know, you're getting money. Yeah. Okay. Of course, it's got to come down to money. Yeah, it's got to come down to it's money. It's NCAA. It's got to come down to money. If we tell you you're going to have to spend $500,000, maybe you'll go out and spend, you know, $8,000 a game on security. But how many security people are going to hold back 14,000 people? Nobody. It's just not going to happen. No. So if this is the issue, you've got to make announcements. Hey, we, we can already see the excitement here tonight. Yeah. You know, if for some reason the home team wins, no one is allowed on the court. Until the opposing team has left. Absolutely. If we lose, okay, fine. But if we happen to win, no one is allowed on the court until every player and uh, official is off. Then fine. But even then, I just I feel like some little kid is going to get. There was a situation the other night where a girl got trampled. Yep. She was involved in a fight. Obviously, this was not a court storming, but there was a huge fight in one of these, you know, immaculate heart yes, schools yeah. against yeah, somebody. Incarnate word. Incarnate word. Yes. You know, and that stuff has gotten out of hand too. All you keep hearing is the amount of fights that are going on, yeah. and it's just Caitlin Clark should not be getting hit by. You know, some drunk sophomore at the University of Wisconsin, Nebraska, whatever. It just shouldn't happen. Sure. And, and yeah, I'll just, you know, quickly, in, in the news, you know, I, there were some high school incidents, one that was kind of close, you know, to where I coach. Uh, it, it just seems that there is no respect whatsoever anymore for fans in the stands they just can do and say and act any way they want on any level, and if they get thrown out, oh, you know, we're 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 taking away their rights. No, come on, folks. I mean, it's not. It has nothing to do with that. If you want to go watch a basketball game, whether it's the the third grade CYO or the NBA Finals, you behave yourself. That's right. Behave yourself. And at these colleges, Mike, anybody that's caught on camera on the court. You have lost your right to come to a game for the rest of the year. Absolutely. You have, we strip your student tickets from you. You are not allowed to come to games anymore. You lost that privilege by coming on court. That is not your court. That is where the people play. And someone's going to get seriously injured. There's going to be a stampede where somebody gets, I mean, they do it in college football and I don't know what the, the standards are there when you do it, but like this has just gotten to be too much. And I feel like I was on top of this, you know, months ago saying this is just, this shouldn't happen. It doesn't happen in the NCAA tournament because it's not a home court advantage. But I just think it's just, people feel that they have a right to be on the court where these, these athletes are. Well, and I, I, I agree a thousand percent with what you said about if you want to can, if you want to allow the tradition, which I think, okay, you know, the, the opposing team, and the officials have got to be. If the home team wants to stay and rah rah with their home fans and all that jazz, that's their own decision. But everybody else, get the heck out. And it ha- it will not stop. Fine, they can find all they want. They can say money, money, because somebody will pay this dopey fine. Your team, your fans storm the court. You lose the game. It doesn't. You forfeit. Automatic. You know, not technical foul. Although that would have been interesting yesterday in a close game. You know, technical foul, you know, what happens there. Different but, on a close game than yeah. it is with the blowout. The blowouts, you can kind of like, you know, the team could, you could see the bench already starting to go to the yeah. locker room when you know that it might happen. But um, even LSU was fined $100,000 because they upset number 17, Kentucky. <laughs> LSU! Okay, a team was already won like 17 games this Didn't year. Did Shaq play there? Yeah. I think they have some type of, some type of tradition at LSU, huh? My favorite was sending you the Detroit Mercy, <laughs> who was 0-26. 
finally wins a game by like 15 points, and there's one guy jumping around on the court, like excited that they won a game. And, and that's, that's the guy. That's true excitement. That's the guy. Yeah, He's excited that they, you know, last year they had like the guy who was considered the all-time leading scorer in college basketball yes. trying to break it, you know, Mike Jones' uh, is that his name? Mike, Mike uh, Davis. Mike Davis' son. Yeah. Um, and now this year they can't win a game. But uh, interesting, there was one in Tulane in Memphis where a Memphis guy got hit by a Tulane. Yeah. Um, it's just happening way too much. And it's not, you know, I, I think when you look back at the history of this, and we'll move on here in a second, of, of fans storming the court, like it started, you know, way – in the fifties and sixties, and he was these were like young, happy co-eds. You know, now these guys storming the court. They, they, they've I had did it once, Mike. Okay, but I have to take that back. That I was, you know, all right. Well, I was at a Navy versus uh, Lafayette uh, Patriot League championship game. Okay, but yes, do you think yesterday that it was all not the same? No, all, all those all those young, studious Wake Forest people didn't have a couple of. Uh, Adult beverages before, during, and and throughout the game, and start. I mean, it looked like a literal stampede of just drunk coeds going and targeting guys. I mean, and they they think nothing of it. Hey, let's oh, it's my think school. About this. When there's an actual fight in a game, yeah. What are the rules for the players? Can't leave the bench. You leave the bench, you're automatically out of that game and suspended for the next one. So we have all these rules for players, but the fans, hey, you can do whatever you want. Crazy. Absolutely nuts. All right, so we got a double rant out of that. So, although we and we, I will promo a little bit in a couple of weeks, uh, we are going to have former uh, St. John's yes. player Matt Brust, um, who's going to be coming on. He is a high school coach as well, um, and he has, you know, I'm sure he'll have a little bit to. He'll, he said he'll do a little bit of um, uh, the Big East tournament, kind of give us a little bit of. You know what would be the outlook for that, but you know he's had some some interesting career for him. Started at North Carolina, yes, and then moved on to St. John's um, during some of their leaner years. But he was a star, and uh, but but a, a great guy. You know, I've had a little bit of interaction with him uh, in, on the high school coaching level. You know, he coaches boys, I coach girls, but we 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 you know ran into each other once or twice and he's going to give you a real good perspective. I can't wait to hear what he has to say about St. John's as a Louis Carnesecca player. Yep. I mean, obviously he's I would think um depending on what what happens with St. John's, I mean, is he going to tow the company we'll line? Yeah. We'll give him we'll give him the reins. I can't I can't wait. That's that's going to be He also good. played a little bit with Michael Jordan in Chicago. Yeah. We'll talk about some of those stories. That's, that's true also. So, listen, just to a couple finish, minutes left. Yeah, just to finish up before, if we can get a call on 516-623-1240. Uh, we'll take it one step above now, and we'll go to the NBA. Yeah. So, um, coaching change in Brooklyn. Jock Vaughn out after signing a mega extension. Kevin Ollie in as an interim. Um, just goes to show that that, that you can be uh, handpicked by certain people one, one day, and the next day you're gone. Uh, I don't think that is going to do much of anything in Brooklyn because they don't have anybody that can put the ball. Well, actually, they got guys who can put the ball in the net, but I don't think they really care about defending. No, that 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 team has just been yeah, it's a shame falling down. Mikhail well, Bridges is is a guy you want to build around. Yeah, but uh, after that, there's really not too many players on that team that you're saying this guy has to stay definitely. Right. Um, that that. It's not Jacques Vaughn's fault. No, it's just that um, they they weren't responding to him. He kind of fell into that position, and now you have Kevin Ali, who, you know, had some success in the college ranks. Um, he, he, I think he's interim. 
he said some interesting stuff too. He came out. He's like, I want, I want guys who are hunters, and yeah. you know, which, which I don't think it's his job though. No, I don't think so. But he's, you know what? Hey, good for him. At least he's going out in full tilt and not, you know, not taking it as an interim. He's, he's, he's going to go down guns blazing and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, you just think about, you know, the the previous coaches before that, like even Steve Nash, like he they, bring they back really, Kenny Atkinson. Well, that was the problem with Kenny is is Kenny was not liked by yeah. The players on the team. Yeah, and, because he held them accountable. Yeah. yeah. He kind of said, this is the way it's going to be, and yeah. they were like, we don't want Kenny here, and Kenny was gone. Yeah. Well, and when you got guys like Kevin Durant, I think that's going to happen. Yeah, that, that, that's what happens. Now you look at the Knicks. On the other side, I think the Knicks finally fell into a little bit of a rut, which well, was going to happen. Julius Randle has yeah. been playing. I, I, you think he's done? That was going to be my question to you, because the I yeah. think he's going to need surgery, and he's it going to seems have that, that way. And I guess maybe it's he's they're going to kind of see how this goes here in the next couple of weeks. And if they're still alive, he'll try to gut it out. And if not, I, I don't know. I mean, without him, they, they, they got no. They take a substantial, you know, step down from trying to win anything. But I think it's been fun. People have enjoyed it. Um, you know, you got the Knicks as as the talk of the town, and Jalen Brunson, and the All Star game, and stuff like that. But I think it's just been tough for the Knicks to. To keep that going, even Hartenstein was like, "Oh, I want more minutes." You know, I was told I was, I'm on my way back. I'm going to get 21 minutes. I only got 17. I think there's eventually going to be some some issues there um, that they're going to they're going to falter. But it's been fun to watch. Um, Absolutely. The one thing I think is funny is we you know we, we brought Doc Rivers in to to be better. He's four and seven <laughs> since he's come in. Those After a guy before him was, you know, seventy-five percent winning percent. Those checks are going to keep clearing, though, for Doc. He's 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 got the right agent, I'll tell you. So once again, uh, thank you to Bernie Williams. His website for his his charity, tuneintolunghealth.com. Uh, learn a little bit about that program. Some some screening for your own self uh, because the, the diseases that he is dealing with uh, on his platform are ones that maybe a little early self-screening will help but you can also uh, donate get into that but a, a great guy very lucky to have him on mm-hmm. again tune into lunghealth.com our next show cap we're going to get a little bit more on the ice we'll talk about the icelanders islanders which it, yeah, they got to be sellers another another one yeah. uh, rangers who who started strong hit the skids but now they're back um, and all the all the rest we'll see where the mets and the yankees are at but we thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Cap, a great job once again. And, um, so much fun. I, I never I never felt so much love for a Yankee in my entire life. Bernie Williams, you're the man. Brian Graves, thanks. Good job on the other side. And we'll see you soon, everybody. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.